You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tree Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking to our learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and, of course, I will answer as many as I can. So we all love stories. Stories? Everything's about stories. And what happens is when you hear enough stories and you speak to enough people, you start to realize that stories get embellished. Um, people quote stories and they officially want to change some of the details and it uh, takes away sometimes from the story. So um, I was in the office the other day and we were discussing this because uh, she pulled out on her phone um, uh, one of the famous uh, storytellers was telling a story about her brother, her brother and sister, sister-in-law, and the, the story was, some of the details were just way off. Yeah, the gist of the story was true, but the details were way off. So when she said that story, she told me another story. And it's just such a great story. I wrote it down. It has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to be all Hanukkah. The Hanukkah holiday is upon us. Um... But the story is so great. We gotta we gotta tell you the story. So there's a a a Jewish custom that when a person dies, before the person is buried, they the person is put into a a pool of water called a mikvah. We call that process a tara. There's a few other things they do to the body to prepare the body for burial. Shrouds are put on and 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 wrapped in a cloth. There's a there's a process what they do before. The person is actually buried. So that process is called the Tara. Anyways, so it was a it seemed to be a well known religious person. And the there were three people there involved, and they saw that the person who was being buried was not circumcised. For whatever reason. Maybe it was a medical reason. Maybe the family made a mistake. Maybe the person who did the circumcision did it wrong. Whatever it was, it was clear the person did not have a circumcision. They didn't know what to do. So one of the guys will call him Beryl, because I know that's not his name. So Beryl walks out, and he calls the rabbi in town. And he says, Rabbi, we're doing the tarot. We're, we're getting the body ready for burial. He does not have a circumcision. So the rabbi says, you get back in there, and you circumcise him. I mean, again, it's a... Not a live body, so it's not such a big deal. He told him to take a stone. We don't know what to do. Circumcise him. So he went back in, circumcised him, wrapped up the the foreskin in a tissue, took it out, and threw it out. In the just threw it. It's supposed to be buried or in the ground. He just tossed it on the ground. Okay, he calls back to the rabbi. Says, "Okay, he did it." And uh, the rabbi says, "What'd you do with the foreskin?" He says, "Well, I took it outside and threw it in the dirt." No, 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 no. Go back. Get that foreskin, you have to put it in the dead person's hand. That way, when this person who passed away will go up to heaven, in his hand, so to speak, he'll say, God, look, I was circumcised. 
Whatever the problem was, I wasn't circumcised younger, but I wasn't buried until I was circumcised. Okay, they went, they looked. Oh, so they don't know where it is. Looking, looking, looking. Then they find the tissue they had wrapped it in, and they were able to find it. They go back in, they put it in his hand, and um, in the story, it seems by the time they found the foreskin, um, they they were ready for the funeral. Like the family was already gathered in the room, and the coffin was there. And he comes and he apologizes. I'm very sorry. I have to open the coffin. I have to put something in the in your relative in your father's hand. And he puts the foreskin in the hand, closes the hand, and they close it. The person's buried. Years later, years later, this barrel is sick, very, very sick. And they thought pretty much they, uh, the doctors had written him off. It was all over. And, they, uh, and somebody remembered the story, and he must have called a rabbi and said, like, what, can we pray? Can we use this good deed to our benefit? So the rabbi said, you know, have two people go to the cemetery, to this person who is buried with the foreskin in his hand, um, go to his grave and command him. Don't ask him. No favors here. Command him. Say, now is payback. This barrel made sure you were circumcised before you were buried. You go up to God's throne. You tell God, he took care of me. I want, I want you to heal this person who is sick, this barrel. Okay? They went to the cemetery. They said over what the rabbi said. And after the cemetery, they went back to the hospital to see what's doing with barrel. So the wife was there. She said, no one could go in. It's, it's really all over. Just forget about it. And thanks for coming. So the people said, I'm telling you, that he's going to start recuperating right now. And sure enough, the person had a complete recovery, still alive today. It's a, not an old story, not a new story, but not such an old story. Just an unbelievable, amazing story. So I just had to share that story, even though it has nothing to do with the topic I wanted to talk about today. But before we get into the topic, told my dedicated listeners, I know you love the show and I need your help. Tell the show spread, I need you to go to my homepage. Hit that donate button. Leave a name, I'll give you a shout out. Memory of, happy birthday. Please hit that donate button. Help the show grow. And in advance, of course, I thank you. So let's talk Hanukkah. You know, every holiday we get to, I always say it's my favorite holiday. Because I love all the holidays. The holidays for me are just a great time family, friends. Um, we're planning for the weekend of Hanukkah. We'll be together with our kids, grandkids. And hopefully it'll be beautiful. We're looking forward. Hopefully you also over this holiday time can spend some time with friends, with family. Just enjoy just such a beautiful, warm, I know it's cold outside, just such a warm, beautiful time. Let's talk Hanukkah. When we think about Hanukkah, there's really two parts to Hanukkah. When we talk about it, we say that this is a holiday that's lahodos to thank, and lahalel, and to praise. So because the, there's really two things we're focusing on. There, of course, is the war that we drove the Greeks out of the land of Israel. The Hashemunayim, the Hasmonean family, drove the Greeks out of the country. We got our temple back. That's, we have to be 
thankful. And then we, that's that's Lahodos, to thank, and then Lahal to praise that God made that special miracle with the oil, that the oil lasted for eight days, and we were able to light the menorah, that candelabra, we were able to light it for eight days with beautiful, pure oil. It was a miracle, it lasted eight days. And again, we we recognize, we celebrate the holiday through the candles, but really, really, the main point of the holiday is that we're thanking God that we were able to drive the Greeks out of the land of Israel. The Greeks were trying to inculcate their culture into us, and that is what we were able to fight against, and that's what God helped us win. That, in a nutshell, is what's happening with Hanukkah. But now we're going to back up, and as much time as we have, let's see if we can get through the details. So first of all, the story of Hanukkah is taking place during the Second Temple. So we're talking 23-ish hundred years ago. The beginning of the Second Temple, so you had the Persians who were in control. That's the story of Purim. And the Persians let us go back to rebuild the Temple. But the Persians did not stay in power much long afterwards. The Alexander the Great, um, his his country was starting to take over the world at the beginning, towards the beginning of the Second Temple. As Alexander was taking over the world, so he was marching on Israel. Now Israel was not a country with much of an army, if an army at all. Um, we were there because the Persians let us be there and they were in charge. And Alexander's already taking over the world and he marched in with his army. That's it. We're not, it's, there's no war. He just marches in. Now, there, was, there were groups of people that were anti, were against the rabbis, and they um, went to Alexandria and said, these Jews, or at least the religious Jews, um, are out to get you. They're rebellious. They, don't, they, they, don't, they hate you. They want to undermine everything you stand for. You got to go teach them a lesson. So these... Um, we'll call them irreligious Jews, but they were a different sect. They were, they didn't believe in the oral law, only the written law. Um, but they were instigating Alexander to fight, kill, destroy the religious Jews. When the high priest, whose name was Shimonat Tzadik, Simon the Righteous, when he got wind uh, that Alexander was marching on the temple, so he dressed in his priestly garments. And he had many priests also dressed in priestly garments, and they took torches, and they started marching towards Alexander. Obviously, not to fight. What are they going to fight? Uh, a bunch of rabbis, and Alexander is a, a, clearly a world power, right? He's that new general that's taken over the world. By daybreak, Alexander sees him coming, and these... These instigators are telling Alexander, those are the Jews, those are the rabbis standing up with you. Now's your chance. Just go wipe them out. So Alexander rises up, gets closer, and when he sees Shimon HaTzadik, Simon the Righteous, the Talmud tells he gets off his horse, and he bows down, and the people are going crazy, like, Alexander, what are you doing? He says, no, no. Every night when I go to sleep, I dream, I see, before I go to battle, I see this rabbi in my dream. We'll talk about that in a second. So um, 
he says to this uh, Shemana Tzaddik, he says, uh, you know, these guys are telling me that you're rebelling against me. He says, God forbid, we're very happy that you're here. We would never rebel against you. We honor you. We understand you're the king. You're, the country is yours. And uh, Alexander actually gives these instigators over to Shimon HaTzadik and he has them killed, dragged by horses, whatever they did. So Alexander says, okay, so if you, uh, if I'm the guy, right, so uh, I think the best way to honor me is to put, you know, my a bust of my head or a statue of me in your temple. Now, we don't put statues of people in the base of Migdash. So, but Shimon HaTzadik was a pretty brilliant fellow. He says, Your Majesty, however they referred to Alexander the Great, however he wanted to be referred to, it's not a better idea. <laughs> Sticks, stones, what's the value in a, in a piece of stone? It's here today, a hundred years from now, it's for sure gone. I have a better idea. Every Jewish boy that's born, now this is a little bit debatable, either in the priestly families or to anybody Jewish in Jerusalem, will name their son this year Alexander in your honor. Which is really fascinating, right? Alexander should be a Greek name. But there are a lot of Jewish people, even today, with the name Alexander. Now, over time, like all names, it's, it's, uh, it's changed. People have a name Sender, is really senders like Alexander, Sender, right? That's a Jewish name. Um, I have a friend whose name is Alexander. It's, it's not a lost Jewish name. It became a Jewish name because Alexander came and he did not fight with us. He let us live. So that's one of the things, or really three things they did to honor Alexander. Also documents, all Jewish documents would start being dated with the Greek dates. Okay, there's different things. For those who know history, Alexander didn't really last long. Um, his, his uh, whatever you want to call it, his rule was basically six years long. He got sick and he died. So his, his uh, world, right, his empire was divvied up into three parts. There was the southern kingdom, which was basically North Africa. And at that time, Israel was, ta- that, that country was also part of the southern kingdom. You had the Northern Kingdom, which people look at as Syria, probably. I don't know if it really went to Persia once uh, once he died, but certainly the Middle East. And then you had uh, Greek, Macedonia, that area, which never really plays into the three kingdoms, um, doesn't play a part. So at the beginning, the Southern Kingdom ruled over Israel. They were very good to us. They let us have the temple, and they let us be religious. Even though the Greek culture was seeping in, more than seeping in, was flowing in to the Jewish people. And many Jewish people were quite happy with the Greek culture and they went away from, uh, from being religious. And it seems pretty normal. It seems it was the wealthy. The, those who were wealthy were the ones that moved along with the Greek culture. They wanted it more than the ones that were poor. Um, but again, that seems to be standard historically. Um, they were called the 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 Ptolemy dynasty, even though they spell it with a P T. But it's it's as far as I know, it's pronounced in in the in the Talmud, it's pronounced Talmai. But it's the Ptolemy dynasty, and as long as they were in charge, life was beautiful. 
But there were always wars. And eventually the northern kingdom and their kings were called Antiochus. As I'm sure in English is pronounced a little bit different. But there was Antiochus was the name of their kings. I think this is like the fourth one, I think. Um, Antiochus Epiphanes, I think, is how he's referred to. When, when the northern kingdom took over, they were unhappy that in the land of Israel, the, the Jewish nation was allowed to still remain religious. That they did not appreciate at all. And therefore, they were going to do something about it. So they weren't looking so much to go to war. They, they weren't looking to fight. Who, who are they fighting with? Right? A bunch of rabbis. Who are you fighting with? So what happens is that they just wanted the Jewish people to take their culture. Because they figure once you take our culture, you'll be like us. I think we've discussed in the past. America thinks the same way, right? Now, it's all countries do this. Right? You, can't, you can't have your soldiers throughout the whole world. It doesn't work. As soon as your soldiers leave, everybody rebels. But if I believe, and that's for sure what the Greeks believe, the Romans later, America nowadays, if you believe that your culture is superior... So all you got to do is get your culture into um, the nation that you've conquered. Let them taste your culture. As soon as they act like you, you don't have to have guards and soldiers there anymore because you got what you wanted. This country is like you. They do pay tax. They don't pay taxes. You don't need to fight with them. They're you. So Antiochus wants to force us to accept the Greek culture, but it wasn't going well. Um, he went ahead and he, um, he had to fight against certain Jewish customs. And they made laws. They figured they make these laws, then the Jewish people will no longer fight and they'll just become assimilated, which is what they were looking for. So they said, no Shabbos, because if you believe in the Sabbath, you're saying God created the world. Well, the Greek philosophy had... Well, there are different gods. They had multiple gods that were sort of, they made their gods act like people for those who learn mythology. No Sabbath, because that means you believe the world was created by God. No Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh is when the court would declare when the new month begins. Because all the holidays are dependent on the calendar. Right? Hanukkah is the 25th of Kislev. Right? Passover is the 15th of Nisan. Sukkot is the 15th of Tishrei. Yom Kippur is the 10th day of Tishrei. Our holidays are based on a calendar. Well, if we don't have a calendar, then you can't have holidays. So let's get rid of holidays. And interesting enough, they said no circumcision. We started a story today to talk about circumcision, so I guess it uh, it did fit into our conversation. So, um, so they said no circumcision. Why, why were they anti-circumcision? Because now we circumcise because we're making a treaty with God. But a little bit the concept of circumcision is to say, yes, we were born, we have a body, but the body's not perfect. There's things that have to be taken care of in the body. And that was anti what the Greeks believed in. Because the Greeks, right? The Greeks are the ones that started the Olympics. The whole concept of sports, my body, my exercise, how much I can, how far I can run, how fast I can run, how far I can throw, and then all the other sports 
that have come through the generations, right? That's all part of Greek culture, worshiping the perfect body, be perfectly strong and perfectly fit and a, and a six-pack abs and all the other things that it takes to have that perfect body. So to go ahead and circumcise the body, you're basically saying the body's not perfect. And that, and that they couldn't handle. That they couldn't handle. So therefore, the third decree was no circumcision. So once that was happening, the Jews, obviously the main centers, everybody dispersed because they're coming around to killing people. You're not going to follow our laws. You're not going to sacrifice to our idols. You're not going to sacrifice pigs to our idols. Um, we, we're going to kill you. So for the next, I don't know how many years, but for the next bunch of years, the Jews that were religious went to smaller towns, smaller areas. Sometimes they had to hide in caves. There's all kinds of stories where they, they found them and they killed them and they, they put fires in front uh, to, to, to kill them. So um, then there was a, an area called Modian. That's where the Hashemunayim were living. It was a small town. No reason the Greeks should care about it. But one day the, one of the governors shows up and he says, everybody's got to come to the town square and we're going to sacrifice a pig to our idol. And they wanted Matisio, he's the father of the Hashemunayim, of Judah Maccabee and his uh, four brothers. Um, so they wanted Matisio to sacrifice a pig to their idol. He's not, it's not happening. And then a guy, a Hellenist who became Greek, he said, I'll do it. And he runs up and he slaughters the animal. And Matisio is so incensed, he takes a knife and he kills that guy. And he kills the governor and he proclaims, Me, Lashem Eli, whoever is with God is with me. And that is the beginning of the revolt. Matisio does not live much longer afterwards. He's already an old man. He passes away. And his sons will take over the battles. For the most part, uh, Judah Maccabee survives. Shimon survives. Most of the brothers do not survive. Um, it's actually, it seems it's a 25-year period where they're actually battling with the Greeks. But it takes about three years. According to Josephus, there's three major battles where the Greek, um, the, that northern kingdom, that Antiochus is sending his big generals with 50, 60, 70,000 Soldiers, experienced crack soldiers to fight um, Yehuda Maccabee and his uh, small band of, I don't want to say merry men, but his small group. But miraculously, God has the, um, the Maccabeans, the Hashemayim, defeat miraculously these groups. Part of our prayer is it's the strong in the hand of the weak. It's the impure in the hands of the pure, it's the wicked ones in the hands of the righteous. In other words, it becomes very clear in our thanks to God that it's not because we were superior soldiers, it's not because we were expert tacticians, it's because God wanted us to win because we were fighting for our spiritual life. And that's what Hanukkah, by the way, is all about. Hanukkah is all about that we're fighting for our spiritual life. Physical life, the Greeks were not trying to annihilate us. All the Greeks wanted was we should become like them. And we fought to say no. Right? And this is something that, you know, culturally the Jewish people have been doing forever. Right? That's what, that's what the world wants. They want us not to be religious. 
And we have to fight to stay religious. And I'm not saying now in America things, we're not fighting. But it's getting harder and harder, right? The culture has gone crazy. The things that they're trying to force you to teach in school, the things that they're demanding of people, their world culture, culture, you know, it's, it's tough. But Hanukkah becomes a time where we get to be home, look at the candles, and remember that God is going to help us if we are willing to fight for what we believe in. But the music is playing, and I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, wonderful response. And listen, you know, I can't do it out. Thank you, one production team. We have David in the back. All right, we left you for some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRS Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.